Welcome to SBS, everyone. You all were here for the Katina, right? All of you. Looks like quite a good crowd this time. How many yogis? 37. How many of you haven't attended FFM retreat before? Hands up. Those of you who have attended other retreats conducted by me, I mean, who haven't attended FMR, but who has attended some other retreats conducted by me. Hands up. You both, you were with FFM and you were with Putmas. Right. Those who has done neither of the above. I mean, who has not attended any of my retreats before, whether FFM or otherwise. One, two, three, four, five, six. I thought there was one Korean guy. Did he come? You haven't attended my retreat before, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know, in the past. Yeah, so you should put up your hands. This is an opening address to all of you. Well, the first thing we need to do is to pay homage to the Buddha. And then after that, to undertake the Three Refuges, if you have not done it before, I'm sure all of you have done it before. If you attended the Katina, you would have done it this morning, right? No need to do that. We just go on to the AP Seps. And you just look in the booklet on page 4. And just read it. Do it yourself. Panatipata, start. Read the English as well, but I don't think you're going to do it in unison, but you better follow me. You start off by cutting the sentence into two. You start off with, I undertake the training rule of refraining from. They want to do together. One, two, three. Yeah, and then you go on to the next one. Destroying sentient life. Next. Take the training room of refraining 
Apamadena Sampadeta. Remember to fulfill your training. Just a little bit of explanation here. I think the first three precepts are quite obvious. Refraining from destroying sentient life, which includes all the little beings like mosquitoes and creepy crawlies, insects, leeches, centipedes, whatever that you can see with your eyes. Especially for those people who have not cultivated the habit of observing the precepts, you might just unmindfully do this when a mosquito comes and settles on your arm. You have to be extra careful. That's why at the end of your undertaking the precepts, I said, Abama de Sampadeta, which means, remember, don't forget to fulfill what you have observed. You have to make a special effort to refrain from doing all those things. Refraining from taking what has not been given here, if you're unsure about whether you can take something from the kitchen or from here, for example, fallen durian or something <laughs> don't give yourself the benefit of the doubt <laughs> you can do a good service pick up the durian and pass it to the kitchen the next one third precept is obvious fourth precept all speech is also obvious this is something intentional I know that there are people who like to crack jokes and sometimes exaggerate things and they do it very automatically, very unmindfully. Even monks, they can do such things. And they don't realize it. When you just say things spontaneously, without any premeditation of wanting to misrepresent the truth, then it is a factor that does not qualify breaking the precept. Which means to say you get away with it. (laughs) If you suddenly realize, after you say something and you suddenly realize, I shouldn't have said that, that's not true. But when you said that, it was like the bad habit of cracking jokes, of exaggerating. But sometimes you use certain expressions, like idiomatic expressions, like it was raining cats and dogs just now. Obviously, it wasn't raining cats and dogs. But everybody understands that it's just an idiomatic expression. It's okay. The most important thing about all these precepts is intention. Whether there is intention behind your actions, through speech, and through your body. You can lie to yourself, deceive yourself in your mind. You're not breaking the precept. Because the precepts are broken only through speech and bodily action. But if you're a meditator, you try to be honest with yourself, and you accept and recognize things as they happen within yourself, no matter how bad or undesirable or obnoxious those thoughts may be. And the fifth precept is refraining from intoxicants. Anybody here taking cough mixtures? I mean, cough mixtures have a little bit of intoxicating thing in the alcohol, or if you're taking any herbs, Chinese medication that has alcohol, then, or things that could dull your mind, or even over-the-counter medication, sometimes they tend to dull your mind. If you can do without it, all the better. Eating at the wrong time, you undertake the training rule of refraining from eating at the wrong time after solar noon. Solar noon here is slightly after 1, 
make sure that you finish eating before one. Eat, that includes beverages like coffee and tea and things like that. But after one in the evening, sometimes the kitchen might prepare certain herbal drinks. These are supposed to be tonics that are help to promote good health. If you think that this will benefit you, then you can take it. But if it is something which, even though it is supposed to be generally nourishing for the body, uh, promoting health, but it may not be suitable for you. If it's not suitable for you, don't take it. Don't just give in to the desire to for sense stimulation because you are um, eight precepts and there's nothing else to enjoy. Just to put something in your tongue to enjoy the stimulation. That's how people do it. You can go to Burma and you see in the meditation hall, they have these three things at the shelves there. The Burmese like to lick powder and they put here and then just put it in the tongue. I mean, this is supposed to be for them something nourishing is powdered form and it's part of Ayurvedic medicine also to have this powdered stuff and you just put it in your tongue and allow it to be assimilated through the tongue but if you do it really for a good reason it's okay but it's not just in order to get some sense stimulation because you're starving of it Also, this eating afternoon, there are also certain beverages which are made from powdered dried fruits. For example, in these EXL products, which contain a lot of these dried fruits powder, which they can be used and mixed as a beverage to take afternoon. But this is not allowable. If fresh fruit juice, strain of its pulp, that is allowable. If it's available, then you can drink it. That is, whether or not you are sick, you are allowed to take that as a drink. If you are suffering from gastric or some stomach problems, then you can also take honey, diluted honey. But according to Ayurveda, honey should not be diluted with hot water. Warm water at your body temperature is okay, but if it's above that and you make a solution out of honey, it's supposed to be toxic from Ayurveda point of view. You can take honey neat if you have some problems, or if, if you don't have much problems, you need some energy, you could just dilute in water that's body temperature or lower. Anyone here suffering from gastric, having problems with this precept? The seventh precept is actually two-in-one. It's refraining from dancing, singing, music, and watching entertainment, and also from various forms of beautification. If you have any earrings or bangles or necklaces, which are items of beautification, please remove them. And... Also, when you use your shower gel and shampoo, best if you use something which is not fragrant. But if you happen to bring along a fragrant one, then when you use it, make sure that you have a correct attitude, which is that you're using it not because you want to be fragrant, not because of the fragrance, not because of the perfume, but because you want to clean the body. 
The last one. Yeah, cosmetics are meant to beautify you. If you're putting it on in order to beautify yourself, then it's not allowed. But if it's putting it on because you're suffering from dryness, it's not dry here, it's very humid. No excuse for you to put moisturizer. <laughs> and if you use an insect repellent, best is to use something which is natural. If you use something which has some chemicals in it, your skin also absorbs all these things into your bloodstream and it will actually not be very good for you. What about essential oils that helps you to sleep better or breathe better at night? Like lavender? Mainly it's for health reason. For people who can't sleep well at night, we try this meditation technique of open awareness. You see, are relying on external assistance. And last one, refraining from using high or great luxurious beds. You don't have a chance to use them here. You might have high beds, double-deckers. Anyone getting double-decker here? That's not really comfortable. It's high but not comfortable. You are safe. And the rest of you will be sleeping on a two-inch mattress compared to the at home is one foot thick. You could say that it's reasonably comfortable, but not luxurious. In the old days, we don't have such thick mattresses. You just sleep on a mat. If you go to Burma, in the meditation centers, they just have bamboo mat or rotan mat for you to sleep on, which is real hard. Especially if you have a bony structure, then it's really hard. So much for the precepts. Observing the eight precepts is very convenient for a retreat convenient for the organizers because they don't have to cook for you extra in the night and also convenient for you because uh, eating and washing up takes a lot of time and it also adds an extra burden to your body to use up the energy for digestion you have to adjust your body to a new schedule since you have been used to eating more than three times a day breakfast, lunch, what else, high tea, and then you have dinner, and then you have supper, and so forth. Now you have breakfast and lunch only. You have to adjust yourself, because if you eat too much, then after lunch means you wouldn't be able to meditate. Especially if you take too much carbohydrates, then your afternoon sessions, you'll be nodding away. That plus a long journey from where you come from, and uh, this will also add up and the first few days we'll, we'll be dealing with a lot of drowsiness or with a lot of restlessness because of all your unfinished business I mean this is to be expected when that happens then don't sit too much walk more then on the other hand if you find that your first day you're afraid that you might get hungry so you eat a lot and then you found out you're sleeping and groggy the whole day then so the next day you drastically cut down to too little then you'll be starving at night early morning also you can't manage you have to strive a balance for yourself you have to try to balance your system that will take a few days it means this part of nature adjusting to new circumstances be compassionate on yourself on your body don't have too high expectations that you're going to go straight into meditation the moment you step here. First few days is usually a time for you to adjust. Be kind to yourself, be patient, be accepting. And uh, also don't try too hard. I always tell my yogis for the first few days, relax, sleep as much as possible to get enough rest. Then you'll be fresh for the rest of the retreat. Rather than try to be 
put in all your effort to try to sleep only four hours a day right from day one, then right until the end you'll be nodding away. Use your discretion and be kind and accepting of uh, things as they happen. The next thing is forgiveness. Now I normally tell people that we ask for forgiveness only if you realize the misdeed that you had done. There's no point making a blanket confession, saying, Bante, if I have offended you intentionally or unintentionally through thought, speech or action, please forgive me. Even if I forgive you, the next time you're going to say the same thing and you don't know what you did wrong. It's just really not effective at all. It defeats the whole purpose of asking for forgiveness. You ask for forgiveness because you realize that you've done something wrong and you really want to redeem yourself and make amends for it. You ask for forgiveness so that next time you will be careful. You need to know what you did wrong. As far as I'm concerned, I always dispense with this blanket confession at the end of events, which is very normal in Buddhist culture. Somehow it creeped into us from... Burma, Thailand, and Sri Lanka. But this is an exception. This is not about your current misdeeds that you have done in this lifetime, in a particular frame of time. But it is from the inconceivable beginning of samsara. We might have done something grievously wrong in the past. We could have offended people not only through speech, but we could have caused their death, murdered them, or caused a lot of harm to them. And some of these beings may have died, been killed through your actions, either through thought, speech, or action. And when they pass on to the next existence, they may be in the spirit form, and they bear a grudge against you. These spirits... As long as they don't let go of their grudges, they could stay there for a long, long time. To you, it may be a few earth lifetimes. For them, they're still there. They're still having this grudge. They still want to take revenge on you. It seems that when people are meditating, this spirit is upset and who are seeking revenge. They have this, you could say, this portal to come in to take their revenge and disturb you. People who already have such propensity to spirit attacks tend to aggravate their situation when they try to meditate. Having said that, Dr. Pang, who is a Buddhist psychiatrist, has given a talk and it's called Charms, Spirits or Psychosis or something like that. And he said that in the majority of cases, 90% of cases, people who think that they are possessed by spirit or influenced by evil spirits are not really true. In about 90% of the cases, most of them are psychotic cases. They are psychiatric cases. There's something wrong with their system. Their glands are producing too little hormones or too much hormones and causing all these hallucinations that are happening in their mind, in their brain. And uh, they ascribe this to supernatural causes. But actually, it is not supernatural, but it's more karmic. 
in the sense that your body is not able to produce a balanced amount of hormones and it creates all these hallucinations. I'm not a psychiatrist. I cannot diagnose you. If something happens to you, like here, then we will take a precaution by asking for forgiveness first. That's the first step. And the second step is we will teach you the guardian meditations and we try and see if this works. If this doesn't work, then after this retreat, you better go and see Dr. Pang. <laughs> I'll go and see some psychiatrist. This one is a prevention. In case we have wronged somebody and there are some beings out there who are really mad at us and they are waiting to take revenge, now we really ask for forgiveness and if they are hanging out there, then we try to not only seek forgiveness, also at the end of the day, when we share merits, also share merits to them. Because meditation or spiritual cultivation is the highest form of merit, particularly the practice of vipassana. And I often hear yogis telling me that when they come from a meditation, they have all these visions in your mind of long past relatives who have passed on, or friends, who would come into their memory spontaneously, they would start thinking of them or seeing them in their sleep or in their meditation. Other times, they don't. But only when they're meditating, then these things appear. And then what they do is, when I tell them, okay, when this happens, then you should, at the end of the day, share marriage with them. And when they do, then they stop appearing. It seems that these beings who are out there, they are aware of what you're doing, and some of them are not evil spirits. They are just lost spirits. People who are in woeful states, and they know that you are meditating. They know that you're creating good merits and they want some to help them. If that happens to you, then you should share merits with them. Evening, when we share merits, you could think of all your departed relatives and then you share merit. These are various ways that we can help the departed as well as set yourself to make a smooth and safe journey, spiritual journey to liberation. Another thing is... Not only do we ask for forgiveness, we also forgive whoever has wronged us in the past from the inconceivable beginning of samsara. Another thing is you might have offended someone who is a noble one. A noble one in the sense of not necessarily one who has attained to sainthood in the Buddhist sense of the word. It could be someone who is very highly attained spiritually, psychic. Renunciant, for example, in Hindu tradition, they are very powerful psychics and you have offended them in any way, that could also hinder your progress in your meditation. It is best also to ask for forgiveness if you have offended them in the past, whether intentionally or unintentionally. Another thing is that you need to forgive other people as well, others who have offended you. It may be easy to forgive others, but sometimes it's more difficult to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself as well. Whatever you have done in the past, what is past is past. That was due to ignorance in the past, and it has been done. There's nothing you can do to undo them. You need to forgive yourself for your ignorance and your foolishness because of those past actions. Forgive yourself and then turn into a new leaf and start correcting yourself right now. 
based on your past experiences. You know that it's a mistake. Now, next time you must watch out that you don't commit the same mistake. And finally, there's also one part in this forgiveness passage where we renounce all the spirit-related activities that we have involved ourselves in. Particularly if you have this interest in collecting talismans and Buddha images because you are looking for security, you are looking for blessings, for prosperity. That's what a lot of Thai monks are good at. You go to them and say, oh, you get this talisman, it's good, it can protect you. This one is like a love potion, you will attract whoever you want. And then this one will protect you from harm, from bullets, from all sorts of things. Usually, many of these talismans are connected to the spirit world. It's like a membership card. If you have that, then the spirits that are connected with this will protect you. But these spirits, they don't like people to meditate. When you meditate, they get jealous and they come and disturb you. There are several cases like that. I'm just sharing with you. If you have indulged in such things before, if you are really interested in the Buddhist spiritual practice, then you should renounce them. Put them aside, give them away, and uh, keep far away from them because they're going to interfere with your spiritual progress. Let's just recite after me. Throughout the round of births and deaths, without a conceivable beginning, if I have offended any Samasam Buddhas, any Pacheka Buddhas, any Arahants, any awakened persons, any of my parents, any of my teachers, or any other beings, intentionally or unintentionally, through thought, speech, or action, I humbly ask for forgiveness. At the same time, throughout the round of births and deaths, without a conceivable beginning, I absolutely forgive all those who offended me, intentionally or unintentionally, through thought, speech or action. Regardless of what I've done, I also fully forgive myself. Furthermore, if I have indulged in any spiritual activities that promote unwholesomeness and are contrary to the Buddha's teaching, I now renounce and abandon them. By the power of these merits, may I attain Nibbana in comfort and with quick-witted insight. We are just doing this as a group once, but if something happens to you and you feel that you need to recite this by yourself, you can do this at your own discretion. I decided to have a chanting in Pali and English like what I did this morning so that it would be more meaningful for you. Some of you complain chanting is so fast and I don't know what it's talking about. It's more meaningful for you to chant something which you understand. 
The next thing is to give the first guardian meditation, which is reciting Arahang Samansam Buddha, one form of Buddha Nusati or recollecting the virtues of the Buddha. If you are familiar with the Pali chanting, Itipiso Bhagawa Rahang Sama Sambuddho, this sort of chanting, you will know that the Buddha has many qualities. How many are there? Nine altogether. If I were to tell you to recollect all these nine, <laughs> you won't get calmed down. You'll get more confused because there are so many things to think about. I've just extracted two main virtues from there, which is Arahang and Sama Sambuddho. And all you need to do is to chant this as a recollection of the Buddha's virtue. And this will help to calm your mind. This is a samatha practice where you just focus on one thing. You just do the chanting and whatever else that comes, your thoughts about your worldly affairs or what you forgot to do or what you should have done but didn't do and all these things. Whenever they arise in you, just put them aside and then keep on chanting. Whatever you're doing. Whether you're sitting, standing, walking, lying down, taking a rest, even though you're very tired, you lie down and chant until you fall asleep. The moment you get up, continue to chant. So chanting is very simple. It's just three tunes, and the words are the same. It's Arhan Samasambudo, should be easy for you. The first thing you need to do is to try to memorize these words and memorize the tune. That's the first thing. If you're busy trying to memorize those words and trying to memorize the tune, that will also keep you busy and your mind will not run off to all this baggage that you left behind. Even though they come because you're busy doing this, they can be easily put aside. Otherwise, the mind will automatically settle there and then start to ruminate. This is one way of extracting yourself from all this compulsive thinking and obsessive thinking. Just come back to it, come back. Whatever happens, just put them aside and come back. Yes, Aran Samasambuddha. In terms of Samatha practice of calming your mind. Then, the second step, after you have mastered memorization of the words and memorization of the tune, the next step is to try to understand the meaning. What does Arahang mean? Three permutations of Arahan, what does it mean? And what does Samasambuddha mean? Every time you chant in Pali, because there's no English translation for this one in the chanting, just the Pali, every time you chant every syllable, you understand what you're chanting. That's because the mind has this tendency of running off. When it's busy trying to memorize the words, busy trying to remember the tune, then it's got something to do. It won't get so easily distracted by your compulsive thinking. But once it becomes easy, you already know how to chant already, then the mind will start going off again. If you're all familiar with chanting, you can chant something without missing a syllable, but your mind is thinking of something else. See, the mind is working so fast. Fantastic. It's like multitasking. <laughs> you're planning something and one hand is also chanting on the other. When that happens, then you start to give more work for the mind. Now you know the tune, you know the words. Every syllable you chant, you have to understand what it means. That is the second step. For some people who are not so intellectual, they are more visual. While they're chanting, they have a lot of faith, uh, devotional in character. When they chant around Sambuddha, then Buddha images may appear. 
that's also another way of holding your attention so that you don't get lost in compulsive thinking. You could chant at the same time, you could visualize. Chant and visualize these Buddha images. You could just select one favorite one and try to stick there. But if the mind, instead of sticking there, it moves on to the next Buddha image, it's okay. As long as you don't get caught up in other compulsive thinking about other worldly affairs. You chant and you visualize. But if you're not someone who's good at visualization, but you're more intellectual, then you can go to understand the meaning of each syllable as you chant. This is talking about Buddhanusati from the point of view of some other practice of helping to calm your monkey mind. Since you've come from a very busy world and you're coming here first few days, at least for today, that's how you're going to settle your mind. Now, it has a bonus besides helping to settle your mind. It also helps to protect you. Because if you uh, chant this, it keeps your mind occupied. And when you are frightened by certain things that happen at night, you might catch a glimpse of something in the dark as you move around or something might give you goose pimples you might feel the shivers or you sense something evil supernatural around when you start to chant then your mind also will not proliferate on your fear because fear is actually built upon the concept of the self you're afraid that something might happen to you what if And since you don't know what it is, of course there will be a lot of what-ifs in your mind. What if it is like that? What if it does this to me? What if this? And so forth and so forth. And all these things are all based on past perceptions. You have seen ghost movies before. You have read ghost stories before. These things will play in your mind. All these memories will come out and play in your mind and make you even more scared. That's also another way of giving yourself confidence. And also, like I say to extract yourself compulsive thinking. This is compulsive thinking based on past experiences. Present circumstances and past conditioning has caused this train of thought to arise, proliferating on something fearful that you had encountered. If it is something which is not so obviously dangerous, like if you feel that the building is shaking, don't just keep on chanting Arahan Sama Sambudo if it's an earthquake, but they run out quick. <laughs> or if you smell smoke, don't just ignore it and come in your chanting. Use the discretion. <laughs> if it is something you are very sure that it's not something physical, there's not an earthquake, there's no fire going on, but it's something that's causing you good pimples, something supernatural is happening, then you can resort to just chanting Arahan Sama Sambudo. The mere chanting of Arahan Saman Subuddho also tends to create a positive energy that will repel this dark energy. All these evil spirits belong to this dark energy. This is also one way of repelling them. There's a story in the commentaries about one boy who was going home. He had to walk past a cemetery. And then somehow it became so dark and it rained or something so he couldn't continue. So he slept overnight at the cemetery pavilion. He rested there or waited for the rain to stop. And then there was a demon that came to catch and wanted to eat him up. 
and he started to chant Buddha, 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 Arahang, Saman, Saman, Buddha. He chanted this, and then when the demon heard him chant, the demon fled. This could also be one way of protecting yourself in case there is such a demon. In fact, I thought not this Arang Saman Sambuddho, but something a bit more complicated than this is called the Sambuddha Gata, which I taught somebody in Kuching many, many years ago, maybe maybe 20, 30 years ago when I was in Kuching at that time. And this person memorized the English instead of Pali because she doesn't understand Pali. And then she had one friend in UK whose house was haunted. She asked this lady in UK to chant this Sambuddha Gata. And then she chanted this. And then she could hear the spirit saying, Don't chant that, don't chant that. <laughs> the spirits are also scared. They are scared of this. To chant this is also one way of repelling them. Gives you confidence, keeps your mind occupied and not get caught up in your compulsive thinking. These are the two benefits of it. First, it calms your mind. Second, it can also be protective. It's a weapon that you can use to protect yourself, especially when you come to a place of SPS, which is between the forest and the cemetery. Be well prepared. Now it's bright and you think it's nice and beautiful with the sounds of nature. But when it comes dark at night and you have to go down to the toilet in the middle of the night, everybody else is sleeping, uh, then this will test whether you are really brave. And this will test whether you are really skilled enough in your Arang Sama Sambudo to go down to the toilet without having to kick you until somebody else goes. Make sure that you do it well when it's still bright so that you can use it when the time comes. <laughs> the question is, if the chanting is chanted in Pali or in English, would there be any significant difference in its impact? This case of this person chanting in English in England, then it works. It's the content of it. It's the intent. Also, someone was telling me that he had a friend, a Chinese who was following Tibetan Buddhism, and he was given a Sanskrit Sutra to chant. And he chanted it as a form of protection or asking for blessings or whatever. And it worked for him. But later, when they consulted a Sanskrit scholar, all his pronunciation was wrong. <laughs> but it worked anyway. It's the intent. <laughs> Anyone else? No? I'll explain the meaning. You can see it actually on page 8. Recollection of the Buddha in brief. Arahang, Ara and Hang. Ara means enemy and Hang means destroyer. Arahang means enemy destroyer. Enemy in the sense of your defilements. Because our defilements are our true enemies, not animals or ghosts or other beings, but your mental defilements. They are your true enemies. The Buddha has actually conquered and vanquished all his internal enemies. There's no more defilements in him. That's why he's called an enemy destroyer. Samasambuddha here. Sama means perfectly, Sam is by oneself, and Buddha means awakened one.
When you chant Sama, some Buddha, then you should understand Sama means perfectly, some means self, and Buddha, awakened one. The next line, A-Rahang, Sama, some Buddha, A means without, and Rahang means secrecy or privacy. The Buddha doesn't need any privacy to do any evil. Most people, when they want to do something evil, they are up to some tricks, some illegal, unlawful business. They tend to pakapakat quietly, go to some corner and make sure that people don't eavesdrop and they will collaborate among themselves, conspire among themselves to do something bad and evil. But the Buddha doesn't need this because he's perfectly pure and he has no intentions at all to do any evil. That's why he's called Arahan, without any privacy or secrecy. The third one is Arahang as one word, which means worthy. The Buddha is worthy of respect and offering and so forth, precisely because he is perfectly self-awakened. And perfectly self-awakened here means that he is awakened like from a dream. Actually, we are like living in a dream and we are fooled by all these illusions that we perceive. But the Buddha knows that all these are just conventional reality, that they are not the real thing. That's why he's perfectly self-awakened. Not only is he perfectly self-awakened in the sense of awakening from a dream, but all his defilements are eradicated. He's perfectly pure. Because he awakened, that's why these defilements are eradicated. It's not just awakening by itself. The awakening has the byproduct or the very important byproduct of eradicating all the defilements. No point in waking up one day in the morning going back to sleep again and then you're going back in the cycle. But the Buddha has already awakened and he never falls asleep again in that sense. That's why that moment of full awakening has this power of eradicating all the defilements. So he's perfectly pure all the time. There's no spot, no iota of unwholesomeness in his mind. No greed, no hatred, no delusion, no jealousy, no envy, no conceit, nothing at all. Whatever the Buddha does is purely out of compassion and wisdom. These are the qualities of the Buddha. Let's all recite it together first. I think many of you are really familiar with it. The rest of you who are not familiar with it, try to follow and try to remember those words and remember the tune. Arahang Samma Sambuddho 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 Arahang Samma Sambuddho
Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Last round Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho Aram Samma Sambuddho You're supposed to do this chanting Do we have Metta tonight? Tonight, not tomorrow morning. This is supposed to be a revision course for FFM yogis who came in April. That's why in April, actually, we don't have the Metta at night. We have Metta the next day. But because this is a refresher course, we have the Metta tonight instead. For those new yogis, you should try to recite this Arahang Samasambuddha until tonight. From this moment until tonight, whatever you're doing, whether you're sitting, standing, walking, lying down to take a rest or whatever, like I said, if you're resting also, chant until you fall asleep and then get up again, continue to chant until you come here for the evening meditation. For the old yogis, if you think that you're confident enough and you're skillful enough and you can make use of the Aran Saman Sambuddha when occasion calls for it, then you can just go straight to do the open awareness which is going to be the crux of this meditation retreat. But for these two days, the preliminary protective, the guardian meditations, to give you some weapons for protection in case you encounter some fearful incidents, which is not uncommon. I am warning you, it's not uncommon. Make sure that you don't take this lightly. You do this until we come back at night. In the meantime... Can you please play that again afterwards when I go? Play the Arahang. You play this Arahang and then you do it all together verbally. Together verbally you follow the pen drive. 
the recording. And then after that, when you're on your own, you could also chant softly, or you could just chant mentally, without having using any sound. But if you're chanting along the road, you're walking in the forest, you can also chant, giving out a bit of sound, but softly. I'll see you all tonight, and you please continue the chanting.